So the themes that we've been covering in this recreation series are leading us to this Sunday where we talk about the tree of life. Next to God and humans, trees are the most mentioned living thing in the Bible. Many critical world-changing moments happened at trees. The Hebrew writers were careful to point this out, to call to mind the creation narrative when their subjects were faced with critical choices between good and bad. As you read through the Old Testament, note that the same word et is used for a variety of woody plants, including bushes and vines, and even for the wood taken from them as well. And meditate on the many ways that we've been called to be like trees. If you recall the symmetry in the days of creation, you remember that on the third day, there was an extra creation act where God filled the newly separated land with plants. In Genesis 1, 11, it says, And God said, Let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind on the earth. And it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed according to their own kinds, and trees bearing fruit which is their seed, each according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the third day, and the girls are going to help this morning to decorate a tree. So Mama and Charlie are going to put this ornament for Genesis 1:11, where God said, let the earth sprout vegetation on the tree of life all the way at the end. Now, among those plants was a special one that represented God's continuous presence and self-producing life. While we had access to this tree, we could experience life unto the age, as New Testament writers often phrased it. In Genesis 2.9, said the tree of life was in the midst of the garden and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. A river flowed out of Eden to water the garden, and there it divided and became four rivers. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. And now we're going to put another ornament on the tree of life for Genesis 2.9, about the tree of life being in the midst of the garden. After spending regular time in the presence of God, eating from the tree of life, working purposefully in his design, mankind was separated from this dwelling place when we decided to make our own decisions about good and bad. We moved to a corrupted human model of morality, where before we could have learned what was right by being close to God, now we move to learning what was wrong by being separated from God. While God released us to our consequences and cursed the earth, he also gave mankind a promise that though the enemy would bruise man's heel, his head would be crushed by a seed from man. So the last ornament we'll put on the tree of life is from Genesis 3.15, where God said, though you have bruised his heel, he will bruise your head. Throughout the Bible, there are many images and references comparing people to trees and trees to people. On the sixth day of creation, humans were created as an extra act of creation after the animals filled the earth in much the same way that trees were the extra act of creation on day three. Genesis 1.26, then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth 
and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Both man and tree are formed from the earth. If we listen to the similarity of these passages with Hebrew words, we can identify the mirroring. And the Lord God formed, or ve'itzer, human, or adam, from the dust of the ground, min ha'adamah. And Yahweh, or in the other verse, Yahweh God caused to sprout, ve'itzmach, every tree from the ground, min ha'adamah. So the writers were even trying to make us realize the similarity that we were pulled out of the earth in a lot of the same ways that the trees were. So now we will hang an ornament on the Christmas tree. Genesis 1, 28, where God blessed them and said, fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. And God appeared many times alongside trees on mountaintops to meet his people and direct them. Eventually... David led the nation of Israel to conquer what became known as Jerusalem on a mountaintop and settled in their new symbol of Eden. In 2 Samuel chapter 8, I will appoint a place for my people Israel and will plant them so that they may dwell in their own place and be disturbed no more. And violent men shall afflict them no more as formerly from the time that I appointed judges over my people in Israel. And I will give you rest from all your enemies. Moreover, the Lord declares to you that the Lord will make you a house. When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you, who shall come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. So the next ornament we'll hang is from 2 Samuel 8.10. I will appoint a place for my people Israel and will plant them so that they may dwell in their own place. But after his people, had, his people had spent some time in their new Eden, they would again choose false trees of life, the wooden idols on high places instead of their one true God. And again, they would be exiled from his presence, pushed out into a world of curses, but again with a promise of blessing. Isaiah chapter 10, Behold, the Lord God of hosts, will lop the boughs with terrifying power. The great in height will be hewn down, and the lofty will be brought low. He will cut down the thickets of the forest with an axe, and Lebanon will fall by the majestic one. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord, and his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide disputes by what his ears hear, but with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt of his waist and faithfulness the belt of his loins. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the young goat, and the calf and the lion and the fattened calf together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox, 
The nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra, and the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain. For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. In that day, the root of Jesse, who shall stand as a signal for all peoples, of him shall the nations inquire, and his resting place shall be, be glorious. And then finally, in the Gospels, we discover the seed that was promised, that grew from the root of Jesse to fulfill God's promise. Jesus said of himself in John chapter 15, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. And the last ornament we'll put on the Christmas tree is from John 15, 1, where Jesus said, I am the true vine. Though Jesus arrived as the incarnation of the eternal life seen in the tree of life, restoring access to God's life-giving presence, the sin and consequence of our first rejection still had to be dealt with. A sacrifice had to be made. And like all sacrifices, it was fueled with the wood of a tree. New Testament authors usually referred to the cross as a tree. This verse in Acts shows us the reversal of fortune that as Jesus was cut down, he was also raised up to his rightful place. Acts 5.30, the God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. So the ornament that we will hang on the cross is from Acts 5.30. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed, by hanging him on a tree. And on that hilltop, in a forest of three trees, Jesus relived the Eden story. But where humanity had failed, he was victorious. Then he was rewarded with our punishment and surely died as he felt God's presence withdraw. Matthew 27. From the sixth hour, there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders hearing it said, this man is calling Elijah. And one of them at once ran and took a sponge filled with sour wine and put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink. But the others said, wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to save him. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook and the rocks were split. Through his perfect life and willing atonement, 
we see Jesus pull the realms of heaven and earth back together as God's presence is released from the confines of the temple to indwell in all who follow his son. This ornament for the cross is from Matthew 27, 51. Behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from the top to the bottom. And now, though our spirits can find rest in him, he calls us to seek the sun and bear fruit as a forest ever spreading across the creation. But still we wait for his physical presence to return and for the garden in the form of the new Jerusalem to come. Revelation 2.7, he who has an ear, let him hear what the spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Revelation 21, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw a holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the indwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great high mountain and showed me the holy city Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, having the glory of God, its radiance like a most rare jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. Revelation 22, then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the lamb through the middle of the street of the city. Also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life and that they may enter the city by the gates. Our last ornament for the cross is from Revelation twenty-two fourteen. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life and that they may enter the city by its gates. The story of the Bible begins in a garden where God and humans live together. And the biblical authors want us to see this garden as a type of temple, the top is the most sacred place, the Holy of Holies, where God's presence is most intense. And that's where we find the Tree of Life. So what's this tree all about? Well, it represents God's own life and creative power that is made available to others. In fact, God's first command is that humans eat from all of the trees, including this one. So you're ingesting God's own life. That sounds intense. Yeah, this meal transforms the one who eats it, or in the words of the story, it leads to eternal life. Okay, but on the way to the tree of life, the humans have to pass by another tree called the tree of knowing good and bad. And God says that eating from this tree will kill you. How does it do that? Well, it represents taking the authority to do what is good in your own eyes. And when humans do that, It leads to broken relationships, violence, and death. And so here's the thing. Both trees look beautiful, but one of them is a false tree of life. And the humans take from this false tree of life. And they're exiled from the garden for good. Which raises the question, can anyone ever get back to the tree of life? 
Well, later on in the story, we meet a man named Moses, and he encounters God in a desert tree on top of a mountain. Oh, you mean the burning bush, where Moses is told that he's standing on holy ground. Yeah, it's a plant on a mountain radiating with God's life and power, just like the tree of life. And God tells Moses, bring your people up to this mountain so we can form a partnership. And this partnership will force them to make a choice. Will they follow gods of their own making or receive life from the true God? And in this story, they give their allegiance to an idol. And it's just the first of many. The story goes on to show generation after generation choosing gods of their own making. And these idols were usually placed on tall hills like beautiful trees. But they're false trees of life that lead the people into self-destruction, exile, and death. It's like death's grip on us is too strong to resist. Is there any hope? Well, let's turn now to the story of Jesus. He came to announce that God's eternal life was available once again through him. So Jesus thinks of himself as the tree of life. Yes, this is what he meant when he claimed to be the vine that brings God's life into the world. And Jesus invited people to eat from him. Yeah, he was inviting people to trust him and be transformed by his life. But Jesus also exposed how corrupt humans are, how much they love false trees of life. And so Jesus presented people with a new choice between life or death. And this time, they don't just choose death. They also chose to attack the one who sustains all of life. Yes, Jesus is led up to the top of a hill where he dies upon a tree. The cross is the sad and violent result of humanity's desire to do what is good in our own eyes. The tree of life has been overcome by the power of death. Well, it seemed that way. But Jesus said that he was a seed of God's life that would die in the ground, but then grow into a plant that would bear much fruit. So to defeat death, Jesus went through it. And now this new tree of life stands before us all. We can eat from it, but it will mean passing through death like Jesus, allowing our old way of being human to die. So that a new humanity can grow in its place. Yes, Jesus said he is the vine and we are his branches. So not only do you eat from this tree, you're invited to become a part of it, helping produce its fruit so that his life and love can spread through us to others. And so the story of the Bible ends in a new garden, which is also a kind of temple with the tree of life at its center, providing healing and life forever to all who choose to eat from it.